When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at WillPile11, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another victory fucking Monday, three in a row. Got the hoodie on. Brad Spielberg is going to hop on today uh, with me. Usually, I know we talk on Wednesdays, but figured trade deadline tomorrow. We watched the best game of all time yesterday in Jets, uh, in Jets Giants. The Jets now have beaten the Giants three times in a row. They, uh, you know, moved to a 12 year uh, win streak, and I realistically won't see them again for four years. Magically, Daniel Jones has cleared to play today, having cleared. That's a whole nother discussion. I guess not even worth our time right now. Brad, how we doing? Your Bears, uh, the Tyson Bandit, uh, you know, fandom lasted uh, almost as long as Mike White's uh, tenure here with the Jets. Oh, it didn't even touch the Mike White era, man. I, I told you I was in the building for Mike White chance in the bathroom at MetLife. So I don't think Bajan got that got that level of love. But uh, no, doing well. Uh, like you said, watched a remarkable football game in New York. I had Jets minus three and it was the greatest push maybe in gambling history. But uh, I mean, look, we talked about is this defense a top five unit? Yeah, it was Danny DeVito at quarterback. It's Tommy, but I'm being facetious. Um, but whenever you hold an NFL quarterback room in its entirety, to seven passing yards and negative net passing yards. If you include sack yards, that is, that is a good outing for any defense. I, I don't care who you're going up against. I know. And it's funny. I actually think the numbers would have gotten even more crazy. Uh, you know, had the Jets actually kept Tyrod Taylor in the game, obviously it looks like he has some broken ribs or something wrong there. You know, the Jets only in four sacks, all four of those or two of those came like really early in the game where they're getting pressure every play. Look, at the end of the day, I guess we'll start offense. Actually let's finish with the offense. Cause it's the longest conversation starting on the defense. I thought, Yesterday was the secondary had nothing to do. Um, Tony Adams and Jordan White had made a couple of nice plays in the run game. They had a couple of missed tackles that were, um, you know, not ideal. But again, they're there to cover a lot of in a lot of the senses. And they did a fine job. Michael Carter had a nice play early on. There's not much to talk about there. CJ Mosley was unbelievable yesterday. I thought. Um, I don't know what he's going to end up grading out at, you know, from from your guys' metrics. But like, he had a ton of tackles. He had a half a sack. He's playing at an All Pro level. Quincy Williams was. He Quincy Williams, where he was as good as humanly possible, but almost a little too ramped up. Something he actually talked about last week of like not not always being 100% full speed. And like, again, two personal foul penalties. I felt like, you know, ticky tack or not, it's just they call it's what they're going to call now. So um, linebackers were awesome, generally speaking. The D line was really good. 
And the Jets did give up 200 yards rushing. Um, the Giants also ran the ball 52 times. So I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That's not really that crazy. It just felt like a game where I don't even know how you evaluate this defense. I just feel like they just cemented themselves from a yards per game perspective. They're now a top five passing unit because we all give a shit about that. Um, I guess what were your thoughts on this defense? You kind of mentioned it there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, Saquon one and 34 carries. Obviously, DeVito, it was used primarily as a rusher. So, like, it's going to it's gonna stack up there. But he'll take that, too. A lot of unsuccessful runs, a couple chunk, you know, breakoff runs that, that change the dynamic a bit with Saquon having a couple. And that's going to happen in every game, especially if he has 34 carries. Um, you know, I think also once they realize, like, okay, this team is simply not going to drop back and pass the ball, I think it also got better once they started loading the box and bringing uh, Jordan Whitehead down a bit, who made a bunch of nice plays, I thought, in this game as well, particularly against the run. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a dominant outing, a dominant performance. You know, they also obviously were not in the greatest position throughout the game, some bad field position, lack of drive, sustaining more than three and out, stuff like that, and, and still were able to be pretty much dominant the entire way. So, yeah, I mean – you know, conditions and the quarterbacks, all that, sure. But like we said, I mean, you can't take anything away from a performance. I think you tweeted it's like the lowest passing yards ever in NFL history. So, um, yeah, but no, I mean, the, the defensive line, like we saw, you know, the splash play from Will McDonald on the special teams obviously was a huge play at the end of the day. Um, it's just, it, it's massive. And you, you do lose Al Woods, which sucks, but I thought Quentin Jefferson had a great game. Like you were getting a lot from a lot of the rotational pieces as well, which is going to continue to matter more and more throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, the yeah, obviously losing out what sucks. That's three torn Achilles for the Jets now. Um, it's really I don't know what deep dive they're gonna have to do. Sometimes they're freak injuries, I get it, but that's really bad. Um, it's scary and it's not well, around the league. Obviously, we see Kirk Cousins. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of injuries this year. It's almost like the longer training camp and preseason was so your body could get ready to play. But again, I know I sound like a boomer here, but like I don't know. A lot of the guys that played in the preseason aren't getting hurt. So whatever, I guess we're going to, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I get why they don't have a longer training camp in two days, like from a head perspective, a hundred percent. I'm just saying the rest of your body when you can't practice all week in a lot of senses, and you see a lot of guys around the NFL, lighter practices, a lot more injuries in the game. Uh, moving to the special teams, you mentioned, and you mentioned the one McDonald one. That was awesome. Quinn Williams, by the way, the numbers won't show it from a sack perspective. I thought he was unbelievable yesterday. He gets triple teamed every game. I think he had eight tackles yesterday, a TFL quarterback. Hit. Like that screenplay, he's a defensive tackle, reading a screenplay, rushing, dropping in coverage, and getting a PBE. Like, am I crazy? He was really good yesterday. Phenomenal. That play stuck out to me for sure. He, he like, you just don't see that from interior guys all that often. And the recognition was early, early on in that play. And again, maybe part of it because you kind of knew the playbook for the opposing team was limited. But yeah, that was awesome. Um, I mean, you probably could have even picked it off. It was, I mean, it was just such a bad throw that maybe that mitigated the ability to do that. But yeah, no, that that, that recognition from him is huge because, like, when you can have guys that recognize, okay, I should just focus on dropping back, getting a jump, maybe a pass block, like. It adds yet another element because, of course, we know he's great moving forward and just pinning his ears back and getting after the quarterback. But, like, those plays swing games all the time. And if it did lead to a turnover, it obviously could have been even more massive. But, yeah, that one, I actually wanted to bring that one up because that, that one stuck out to me as well. Let's move to special teams. I'm curious, obviously, from Jets' perspective, Thomas Morstead, friend of the pod, was – we talk, I joked, and I, a lot of people, this is not an original thought. It's, I mean, it's an original thought for me, but it's not. A lot of people have shared this sentiment. Braden Mann, you could argue, lost them two games last year. The Lions game, you know, one of the worst punts I've ever seen out of the back of the end zone, punt return for a touchdown. The Jets lose by five. And then, you know, the Patriots game, this which is what this game felt like. 
it was three to three. He makes a terrible punt against the, you know, the Jets are punting to a different side of the field. He punched the ball the wrong way with no hang time, gets returned for a touchdown. They lose both those games. And obviously they win those. They make the playoffs and the whole thing. Respectfully. Thomas Morstead was awesome here two years ago. They gave the job back to Braden Mann, even though he was underperforming and Morstead was really good when he was here. He goes to Miami last year, was good. This guy's won a Super Bowl. He's had one of the biggest onside kicks in Super Bowl history. Like, it's not, I know it's a punter and I'm not trying to make too much of it, but I also don't think you can make enough of it. Like, all season, they've had multiple games, the Broncos game, Chiefs game, pinning guys down inside the two, three yard line, flipping field position. And this just seems offensively not good enough to not have a good punter. They need somebody that can boom the ball, put him in good spots. Did it again yesterday. Three, I believe it's the first time in NFL history, three punts over 53 yards all down inside the five. Again, very specific stat, but like, does matter. And then Zerline nails his kicks. The Giants don't make theirs. The Jets make theirs. Other than one field goal, and I guess, I think it was the Chiefs game, if I'm not mistaken, they've pretty much, Zerline, I think, has only missed once all year, uh, once or twice. So how good is this Jets special teams? And like, how much can we put stock in it? Like, another reason why this team has a hope to kind of make some noise here as we go throughout the season. No, that, that third phase does matter. And you mentioned he had four punts inside the 20. And also on one of the, you know, inside the five, it wasn't down. It went out of bounds. Like he coughed and cornered it out of the, which is like even more impressive to me just because you have to get the angle right and all that. So yeah, he had 529 yards of punting yesterday on his 11 total punts, average uh, over 48 yards per punt. And, you know, no, no return that was too scary either. So, you know, he had a hang time of almost uh, four and a half seconds. I'm looking at, PFF ultimate punting stats right now is where I'm pulling all this. Cause yeah, we do that too. Um, yeah. Like it, it, it does it like, especially in that game, we're talking about the giants in, in, incapable of moving the football. If they got a short field or the shank punt or something like that, that could have been the one opportunity where maybe they're able to go 40 yards instead of 80 and actually score and put this game out of reach. So no, it's huge for sure. People like to just kind of, you know, ignore stuff like that and, and say special teams, whatever, Sure. Does it does it swing every game? No. Are there games where it doesn't matter at all? Yes. But like you said, when the offense is struggling, also bad conditions, all the things going on, it it, it arguably was a massive, massive factor in this win yesterday. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same page as you. Let's get to the offense. I'm going to run a theory by you. I'm 100% posting this on Twitter because I know people. First of all, there's a lot of nuance to Zach Wilson. He's still a backup quarterback. I don't know if you're familiar with like the Josh Smith, Russell Westbrook. I think Bill Simmons came up with this a long time ago. The 90-10 rule. 90% of their game is awesome. The 10% that sucks is the reason you don't view you didn't view Westbrook or Josh Smith at the time as good as they were. Zach Wilson feels like the opposite. 90% of the time, like there's a lot of really frustrating stuff, and you're like, see, this is why he's not good. And then there's a 10%, the 24 seconds, which was awesome. Those two throws are big boy NFL throws. There's a couple other throws yesterday. We we're like, wow. And it's the 10%. That you're like, see, he's not that bad. Like, he's making strides. He's doing all these different things. It's the Chiefs game. It's these other things. Is that a good way to ex- describe Zach Wilson? It's like the 90%, and then all of a sudden, he pulls you back in, makes a play at the end of the game. Um, He's done that a couple times this year, and frankly, it's helped them a lot, even if he hasn't looked good, you know, a lot of the time. I mean, he had a couple nice throws in that last drive. Uh, it, You know, obviously struggled most of the day. It always helps to have a Brees Hall that can just break off a 50-plus yard, you know, receiving touchdown. I always talk about that position. And A, is it like, can he be a pass catcher? That adds value for an early pick. But also for me, not to like be mean to Najee Harris, but like if you are going to do that and t- use an early pick on a guy, he has to be able to break off 50-yard plays randomly. I'm not sure Najee Harris has a 50-yard play in his entire NFL career. So 
uh, again, this isn't a make fun of Najee Harris podcast, but anyway, like that ties in the whole Brees Hall conversation of like the ability to do what he did. In that, I mean, it, it arguably won the game, but, but yeah, Zach, I, I do see it the same way. I do want to say, I mentioned multiple times now, like, the conditions were terrible yesterday. And I think that was a factor. There were a couple throws where not even just like inaccuracy. I saw him, his back foot would slide a couple times, like on the throw. And so it would look like it was an inaccurate pass from a throwing standpoint. I think he lost his platform because of the turf and, and the, and the wind and the water and all that. But, but yeah, that is how you, that is how you characterize him. And then, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks like that. Like they magically, when they stop thinking so much in the fourth quarter and just throw the football, they make a couple splash plays because he has the talent to do it. But yeah, I mean, he did enough in the biggest moment to, to drive down the field, what, 24 seconds to, to get that, that final score. And then in overtime too, just, you know, take care of the football, all those things. It, it was enough. It's all you can ask for really. Yeah, look, the play calling was not good yesterday. I didn't didn't love it. Again, conditions sucked. There was a lot of drops. There was some bad run routes. The offensive line wasn't great. Dexter Lawrence had 15 pressures. He was fantastic. He was really good two weeks ago in Washington. Um, this was the Vikings-like game for him uh, from a year ago. He's obviously a fantastic player, him and Quinn Williams. We talked about both those guys. <laughs> They're as good as advertised. The thing with Zach that, that frustrates me is not – and I think people are misunderstanding when I'm like, stop making excuses for the quarterback. It's not that – there's plenty of excuses. Zach is a backup quarterback. At this point, he should be evaluated as such. It doesn't matter at this point. Win games till Aaron Rodgers gets back. It's all fair. I can't stand on third down when you have to get rid of the ball. You have no timeouts. Uh, you have timeouts left, but you don't want to have to use them. And it's like you're in a two-minute drill to go score and win the game, and you're taking a sack and holding the ball for five hours. Throw the ball away. Like, just throw the fucking ball away. I, it's really that stuff he's done the last two years, which I was so happy he got out of his system. And yesterday, it felt like such a regression, at least early on in that game, where, yes, the, again, conditions weren't great. The offensive line wasn't great. The receivers and tight ends were not getting open as much. They had no running game. All those things are fair. And again, like, if you want to point to that, go ahead. Um, that's fair. I just pointed to it. So can't say that I'm not acknowledging it. I'm just saying that then taking a sack on fourth down, like, dude, throw the ball up. You have You cannot take a sack there. It's that. It's early on in the game, the second or third play of the game, second down, it's a, a bunch of quick winning routes against man coverage. And he's just like this, patting the ball, patting the ball. That looked almost like a fumble. He's really lucky that wasn't. And then strip sack on the next play. I just feel like that's the stuff that I get frustrated with that it needs to be better. Um, again, does he need to be perfect? Are we judging him on an unfair scale? Is he a backup quarterback? Yeah, he is. But like my long-winded rant is more of just about, you don't have to like, that's the stuff that I'd really love to see. And that the two yard play to Brees Hall, that's a, the play calling sucked yesterday, but guess what? They drew up a perfect play on third and two, third and one or third and two. Brees Hall has acres of space there. And if he just puts in his hand, they might've just won that game 14, 10 going away. And we never have this conversation. Am I being unfair at all? Like I'm not trying to shit on Zach. I just feel like it's just a little thing still that like it's year three. We shouldn't be taking sacks, you know, and the internal clock's got to go off at some point. I don't think you're being unfair at all because the last piece I would say too is like you can always look at the game context. Let's say his protection had been great all day and Connor McGovern's kneecap is in the right place and Dexter Lawrence isn't living in the backfield. And honestly, credit to Kevon Thibodeau, who I thought had one of the best games of his NFL career too. Oh, 100%. And yeah, and on that fourth down sack, which was an awesome move by him, kind of like a hezzy to the inside goes back around. But like, you know that Thibodeau and Lawrence have been winning pretty much the entire day. It's fourth and whatever, and you're drifting back to the left. And I, I don't even think you looked at Thibodeau. It's like you don't think after four seconds that a guy who already has two sacks on you today is probably going to be getting open against a bad right tackle, you know, injured, struggling right tackle, whatever. 
that's the issue is that let's say he'd been sitting in clean pockets all day long and then was like, I'm trying to make a play, trying to win this game. There's a different context there, but that's the opposite. You were getting pressured on every single drop back. Your internal clock should even more so be like, hey, odds are someone is is closing on me right now and I need to get rid of this football. So, no, it, it was a step back for him in that regard because we talked about that. Ignore the throws. Ignore That was one area where I actually think we had seen significant growth the last month and it went like, the total opposite direction yesterday. Yeah, it was Zach, the reason Zach was progressing a lot. I felt like moving the ball between the twenties, he was not turning the football over. He was taking sacks, but not bad sacks. And he wasn't doing the drift out to the right. I mean, thank God he didn't do what he did against New England last year, where it was like drift out and throw the ball away, but he still had two fumbles and like conditions are bad and new center all you want. I mean, it did hit him right in the hands. Like again, it's not to be hard on Zach. It's more to say like this, that type of play he had yesterday cannot be a consistent theme, especially going up in these next two weeks against two bad defenses, in my opinion, in, in the Chargers and the Raiders. It should get much better. Um, again, the Eagles game, the Broncos game, where it's like 19 for 29 and you know 185 yards, a touchdown, maybe not a touchdown, no interceptions or one pick that doesn't kill you, using his legs for 30 yards. like That's what you want to see, I think. And anything, anything like the Chiefs game, you take all day. I just... Again, I'm not trying to beat on beat up on him because I know it's going to get taken out of context. I guess I'm just saying a lot of reasons yesterday didn't go well. The Jets played as bad of a football game as a offense as you could play. And they get lucky to win, to win the game. Garrett Wilson said as much after the game. He said we had no business winning that game and we'll take it and we're going to keep it moving. I just think that to be fair, I think it's okay to say Zach cannot take some of those sacks and cannot like just get rid of the ball. He did such a good job, I felt like throughout the year of just like, even to an annoying part in the New England game, he would just like throw the ball away. It was like, I don't know. I it's just weird sometimes. And then, of course, on third and ten, they need a they need a first down. He uses legs. You're like, what? Where was that? You know, oh, it's cover one for the nine hundredth time. Um, I apologize. I just been like, I got a lot of shit no. yesterday on Twitter for like saying, oh, Zach wasn't good yesterday. Like, I don't. I love Dan O, but like to say he was very good yesterday feels like a little bit of a stretch. I think you could just say. It's not his fault. The Jets won the game. Move on to, to next week. So another point you just mentioned, too, you also know that you're going to get blitzed at a super high rate. So odds are there's an extra guy coming towards you. And therefore, like you said, use your legs. Don't be afraid to take off because it's probably going to be available to you. There might be fewer second-level defenders that are going to you know, be an issue if you scramble. But also to your point on the two defenses coming up, here's why it's glaring to me to fix this. Are they bad units? Yes. But. They're both, for us, top 10 in missed tackle rate, but they both do have good edge rushers in, obviously, Max Crosby in Las Vegas and then Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack in, in Los Angeles. If you hold on to the ball too long, those guys are going to get home eventually. You need to trust your pass catchers that let them get in space because these teams miss tackles at an insane clip. So even if it's a check down, even if it's a short pass, like that's what these defenses are struggling with right now is allowing explosives, not just on downfield throws. Frankly, the Chargers just sit back in soft zone coverage. They kind of mix it up. But anyway, it's because they're missing so many tackles. Let Brees Hall, let those guys do that. Because, yeah, if you hold on the ball too long, they will get home eventually, especially, you know, Crosby, who, who doesn't quit on a single snap in any game. We'll wrap up here. I know you got a, you got a busy schedule, obviously, at the trade deadline. Trade deadline's tomorrow. We've talked a lot about it. What can we expect? There's a report yesterday that, um, that Jake Glazer had. People are calling on Michael Carter, not on Dalvin Cook. Carl Lawson's inactive yesterday again. McCall Hardman, by the way. Um, for everyone uh, shitting on the Jets, he uh, it was really great yesterday. Um, Bland himself for the loss. Um, 
what do we what do we expect between now and uh you know now and i guess whatever 3 p.m or noon tomorrow I still think they're just going to, at this point, take whatever they can get for Lawson. You know, particularly if the team is willing to take a decent chunk of the salary. Like, maybe they don't want to do it if they have to convert everything. But even still, why not just save half a million dollars and just get a, a late-round draft pick? The guy's not even playing. And, yeah, you can make the argument, like, oh, yeah, but they have some injuries. Then you have that depth in tow. And, he, you know, he's still a solid player. I get that. But I th- still think he probably gets moved. I think outside of that, it's quiet. Like maybe they try to sniff around on interior offensive linemen at this point, just because of all the injuries there. But realistically, I think it's probably just send out Lawson and, and just try to do what you can. Maybe sign some, some guys that are around the league, you know, for interior help. Yeah. I, Connor Hughes had a report yesterday. I don't know if you well, we'll finish with this. He said the Jets would have been all in on Adams or Evans. It just looks like both teams won't move those guys. Do you feel like that's the case um, in terms of those receivers? Cause I kind of feel like they need another receiver. Um, but again, I, I guess it's kind of to try to get a deal done with one of those teams. Maybe if the Raiders get blown out tonight or something, I, I don't know. But it feels like I know it's an offseason thing, but Adams talked all week about Aaron Rodgers and how clearly does not like Vegas. It's like, am I are we reading too much in that or is that just an offseason thing? Don't even pay attention to it. I would like I'd say there's close to a zero percent chance, but I mean, yeah, if the Raiders get blown out again tonight and Adams tries to force the issue, like I know he's clearly made it known he's not super happy. And you mentioned the need for receivers. So Cobb, thankfully, finally inactive in this game. I thought Lazard was pretty bad. You know, trying to argue for a first down on a ball you didn't even catch, uh, you know, which you <laughs> knew you didn't catch. And, you're, and, and you also were a yard and a half short. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, they do. Outside of Garrett, they really do not have much right now. You know, everyone else is just like at best solid. And that's just not going to do it. Obviously, we're talking about like superstar level talent. Maybe not the current version of Mike Evans, but he's still a very good football player. They probably should do something. I just don't know if they go that big because of all the ramifications. But this offseason, I could see a scenario where Devontae Adams pushes pretty hard to go to New York. Last question. We talked a little bit about this. Rashawn Gary gets his extension. What could that possibly mean for something with a Bryce Huff extension? I can tell you the Jets have not spoken with Bryce Huff about an extension yet. Um, they would be wise to do so. Uh, well, I guess what what is uh, what does that all mean uh, before we wrap up here? I think it helps the Jets in this scenario. And again, it's funny how the same organizations get first to market again and again and again. Like if you're the Jaguars and Josh Allen's having a career year, and frankly, Gary's a better pass rusher, but Josh Allen is actually can play the run, which Gary kind of can't right now. Yeah, like he's you're, only playing forty percent of the snaps now, right, Gary? Yeah, yeah, he's he's Bryce Huff in <laughs> for the Packers essentially, um, and. and so I think it helps anyway, though, because $24 million per year, you know, it, it, first round pick in this market that obviously gets exploded by Nick Bosa, it's a step back. And so I think if you're the Jets, this helps you in the Bryce Huff conversation. I can tell you that I know Rashawn Gary was trying to get like Joey Bosa money on this deal and obviously does not come even close to that number um, in this conversation. But yeah, it's like, you know, that all these guys, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, you know, Josh Allen, like they're going to get paid at some point. And again, even if you want to say, oh, yeah, Huff isn't quite, you know, he's not a first round pick. He's not, he is kind of becoming an every down player, but it's just still the earlier you get this done, the better the value is going to be. I'm puzzled why they didn't at least have the conversation or a more serious conversation over the bye week in particular. It doesn't really make much sense to me. I know they're top three in cash spending. They have other guys like JFM and other players coming up for money, but it's just like, He's clearly a very good football player that I think undrafted guy midseason hasn't played a full snap load for a full year yet. He probably will by the end of the season. 
it just seems like you're missing a great opportunity. He probably would have taken a good deal, not a great deal, but now he should ask for a great deal this offseason. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Appreciate you hopping on as always. Um, I know uh, we should expect some some moves here over the next uh, you know 36 hours or so. Make sure you guys are following Brad as always. Between the trade stuff, but also some of the kind of ramifications that it has on you know cap space extensions, uh, you know all those different types of things. Josh Uche is another name to watch from a extension perspective. Um, although I don't think he he will, but whatever, we'll see. Um, appreciate you as always, guys. We'll be back two more episodes this week. Wanted to get make sure we get a victory Monday pod out. Big game with the Chargers coming up. This is one of those games on the schedule that if the Jets take care of business, I don't know what it's going to say on the PFF odds from making the, like if they win this game, what their odds go to versus what uh, it'll drop to. This is a conference game versus a team that they are going to be directly competing with a wild card spot for. And the Bills play the Bengals in Cincinnati and the Dolphins play the Chiefs next week. There's a really, there's a real chance the Jets are a game out of the division come Tuesday morning when we talk next, if they take care of business and even crazier, they would be a game and a half back of the one seed without Aaron Rodgers, theoretically speaking. Right. Cause if the chiefs are seven and two, the jets would be five and three, like whatever. It's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot of hypotheticals there, but that's why winning yesterday, it's all that matters. <laughs> Figure it out the next uh, seven days. Again, appreciate you hopping on as always. And we'll, uh, we'll be back on Wednesday.